message today. And uh, as I stood, I noticed Coco Perez, our youth pastor, moved closer to his wife. And I'm happy to tell you that uh, he proudly announced to us toward the weekend that the two of them were going to become three. So we congratulate them. Or four, or more, three. So uh, I'm happy to make that declaration in front of all of these witnesses. Wonderful. When uh, they came to me for marriage counseling over five years ago, he said he didn't want to have children. I told him that was diabolical, and God has dealt with him, and now <laughs> it's going to happen. Great. Sorry I can't announce everybody's situation like that, but uh, since they're on staff, I thought it would be all right. A little child knelt by his bed at the close of a long, sad day. Dear God, he sobbed with heavy heart, I don't know how to pray, but you see our home, well, it's all upset. Guess it's always been that way. As long as I can remember, they just fuss and fight all day. It's mom and dad I'm talking about, but I guess you already know because you can see from way up there the things people do here below. But the thing I want to tell you about, and the part that worries me so, is that mom and dad are getting divorced, and I don't know where to go. I've got to make up my mind if I want my dad or my mother, and what will become of little Ted. That's my dear little baby brother. You see, dear God, I love them all, and I don't know what to do, because I want my mom, and I want my dad, and I want baby Teddy, too. I wish you'd talk to mother and dad. Please, God, they might listen to you. They say they're Christians, but I can't tell because of the things that they do. But God, I'm sure you'll know what to say, and you'll know what to do. I just hope that I'm not too late in taking this up with you. Amen. how to have heaven in your home. We are facing some great tragedies in our world today. Enemies are at work to ruin our homes. Lack of parental discipline, schedules full of non-essentials, lack of communication, little or no Bible reading and prayer in the home. Years ago, J. Edgar Hoover wrote, long before he died, can we build homes without God or have worthy parents who do not know and practice his teachings? Our nation is sadly in need of a rebirth of the simple life, a return to the days when God was a part of each household, when families arose in the morning with a prayer on their lips and ended the day by gathering together to place themselves in his care. As our nation grew and prospered, as it overcame vicissitudes and adversities, 
Its people never lost faith in a personal God. Our generation, it seems, has allowed old faithful religious practices to slip into oblivion. As a result, family life has been weakened and our nation has suffered. A godless home is built upon sand, he said. It is an inviting breeding ground for moral decay and crime. My hope for the future of this nation is predicated upon the faith in God, which is nurtured in the family." End of quote. This was several years ago, and things have not improved. In fact, they have indeed worsened. Things today are at an epidemic problem level in the families of many, many Americans. Let me cite for you some of the dangers we face. Over 25,000 people die every year in America as a result of alcohol, and in every case, affecting the family tremendously. Education without God is what we hear today. 80% of college students have no religion at all, although 67% polled said, we wish we did. Venereal disease is up 200% in spite of Planned Parenthood, which isn't very planned and isn't very parental. A very diabolical approach to solving the problems of the American family. And there are others who propose and purport certain ways of solving the problems of American youth today, but they're not being solved. It's getting worse and worse and worse. One out of eight births are illegitimate births in America. Divorce is a raging cancer. Children and youth are being seduced and deceived by de demonic temptations. I get angry when I open the paper as I did yesterday and see a massive article about pornographic videos that are now in these stores up and down the streets. And one person says, I really don't want them there, but I have to because everybody else does it. And that's the attitude. Everybody does it, so I've got to do it. No conscience, it seems, sufficient to take a stand and say, we've got to bring an end to this somewhere and somehow. Massive columns in the paper given to that nonsense when if we wanted to have an article about something exciting happening in somebody's life, you couldn't get a, a line in the paper for that. So on and on it goes. Demonic forces battling for the sanity of our families. People running after religious fanatics who start some doctrine of the devil, 1 Timothy 4.1. Paul spoke about it, doctrines of devils. And people are running after them. Families are running after them. If you would announce that down at the convention center today there would be somebody who proposes to do certain things, there would be a massive crowd and the local church tonight half empty. We run after every voice 
and everything and don't settle down in a Bible-believing place and say, I'm going to learn there and I'm going to serve there and I'm going to get my family there every time the doors are open so we can grow in God. Reminds me of the Arkansas farmer. He had a herd of hogs and they were very good hogs, very nice looking until a certain day when a friend came and said, what happened to your hogs? They look like they're going to die. He said, well, everything was fine until three weeks ago. You know that about a year ago, I had a hearing problem which affected my voice and I couldn't call my hogs like I was used to calling my hogs. So I had to devise another way to call them. He said, my way was to get a big stick and beat on the crib. I would just pound on the hog crib and they would come eventually as they heard that pounding with the stick on the crib. Worked great until a flock of woodpeckers moved into this area three weeks ago and they began pounding on these trees and my herd of hogs would just run down the way after that pounding where the woodpeckers were and then that crazy flock of woodpeckers would head across the other way and start pounding on a tree over here and there would go my hogs he said in three weeks they're about to die from running after the woodpeckers exactly the way it is in the church with religious woodpeckers. We've got to be careful in this hour. Settle down, settle down, and let God minister to your soul. That's God's order. So we have all of these dangers, and there are many more that I could cite, but time would not at this moment permit. What are we going to do? Well, the first thing we need to realize if we're going to have heaven in our home is that your home is very much like your heart. If you take notes of sermons, that's point one. Your home is very much like your heart. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. I would like to paraphrase that and say, keep your home with all diligence, for out of it are the issues of life. You have to keep your home just like you keep your heart. With all diligence, good homes just don't happen. They have to be worked at. They have to be nurtured. If you have in your home a doubtful spirit, a fretting heart, a worry wart, that's going to affect the family. The whole household will be in a state of disturbance. The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers, not the disturbers. And you have to guard your heart because it affects your home, you see. We have today fathers and mothers who do not depend upon God. They're fretting and stewing over this thing and that thing. They have not come to the place where they just turn their heart over to God and as a result turn their home and their family over to God. Acts 16.31 says, Thou shalt be saved and thy house. Now the Lord meant that as he spoke that through the apostle Paul to the Philippian jailer. Thou shalt be saved and thy house, all of the family. If you're faithful to God and you're trusting God and you're not running around with this fretting, doubtful spirit all the time, guard your heart because it affects your home. You'll not have a happy home if you have those kind of hearts. The Bible says when a man's ways please the Lord, he maketh even his enemies to be at peace with him. Proverbs 16, 7, so people who say, I can't solve the problems of our home, don't believe the Bible. 
If you can make your enemies to be at peace with you, why can't you, your companion or your children? The reason is we don't deal with the heart. We want to deal with externals, but we have to deal with the internal. Christ reigning in your heart means a little heaven in the home for you. It works that way. You as an individual must deal personally with God. You see, the tendency is, oh, God, change him. Oh, God, change her. Lord, why did you get me into this? Lord, you see my children. What's the matter with them? Those genes aren't in me. How come they're acting like that? You see, it's always easy to point fingers and say, God, if you would just work on somebody else. But that's not the way it begins. It has to begin with you. Lord Jesus, work in my heart. Give me the right spirit. Give me the right attitude. Cleanse me from my sin. And when you do that, you'll have heaven in your home, but not before. Before we would have him deal with our loved ones, he must first deal with us. And you know, I believe in God's order. I believe that God brings us along in his order and in his divine plan. David is an example. He was a young fellow tending sheep when God, by his prophet, came along and said, you're the man that's supposed to lead Israel. Now, in the natural, that would have seemed impossible and improbable. But soon, as you read the Scripture, you discover how God had his hand on him. He was in God's divine order. And he went out to face a trained warrior by the name of Goliath, who had a sword as long as a weaver's beam, he was a mighty man of valor, strength and power, a warrior indeed, and David was a shepherd boy. All he had was a sling and a pebble. But I want you to know that anybody with a sling and a pebble in God's order is more powerful than a Goliath with a mighty sword. And any family in God's divine order is more powerful than any weapon that the devil can devise against you if you're in divine order. David picked up his sling, put the pebble inside, and it became a missile guided by the Spirit of God. And it hit Goliath right between the eyes and knocked him to the earth. It must have shaken the whole hillside. He went over there and took that sword and sliced off the head of Goliath, slung it over his shoulder, and carried it back up the hill to the camp of Israel, rejoicing in his God all the way. The kid triumphed over the giant. There is no problem in our families that cannot be solved if we come into God's divine order. Heaven begins in your heart, not in your environment. Many long for peace in the home who have no peace in their hearts. Start with your heart being justified by faith. We have peace with God, Romans 5.1 says. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. If you want the fruit, then you have to first deal with yourself. The husbandman who has an orchard and wants to sell his fruit better first test it and see if it's good and saleable. He first partakes, and then he makes it available. So it is, if you're going to have heaven in your home, start with number one. Now, I know you wish that I would say something different than that, but I can't because that's the divine order. It starts with me. If I'm going to have something changed in my home, I'd better look at myself and begin there. Your home is much like your heart. And how is your heart? Now, the second thing, if you are 
outlining is a home is where two or three are gathered together, or four or six or eight or ten or twelve, whatever. Cheaper by the dozen. I was reading this passage in Matthew, and I've always used it in the context of the gathering of believers like this. We say, where two or three are gathered together, I'm in their midst, but son, suddenly it hit me. Why, that doesn't give any location. It doesn't say two or three gathered in the church. It just says where two or three are gathered in my name, and it hit me. That could be my home. If two or three are gathered in my home, family members, then I am there in their midst, and what a promise. He doesn't come and go. He stays. He says, I'm there. You don't even have to think about it. I'm there. If two or three are gathered in my name, if you've determined to live in my name, then I'm there. I'm going to be there. You don't have to ask me. I'm going to be there. If you're in my name, I'm going to be there. Hallelujah. That's exciting, isn't it? Then don't sit there so drab looking. I've just come across a new truth for you. I believe that with all of my being. Two or three gathered in my name. I'm there. I'm there. Sometimes we see God coming and going in our minds. God doesn't do that. He stays. He's right there. Now, I don't know how he does that because there are a lot of homes represented, but he does that. He said, I'm there. He said it, and I believe it. In every church where people are gathered, he's there. A lot of churches, but he's there. Every home, I'm there. I'm there. I'm there. Whoa, what power there is in that. I'm there. Right there in the midst of them. Be it ever so humble, the master will meet with you in your home. doesn't have to be a palatial mansion. You don't have to have the latest furniture. It just depends on two or three gathering in his name. Praise God. can be in a tent. Out under a tree, if that's home, I'm there. And if Jesus is there, I want you to know there should be a difference. I was thinking of Noah, reading about Noah. When God told him to build the ark, according to what I read, God spoke to Noah. He didn't talk to Mrs. Noah. Have you ever thought of the problem Mrs. Noah had in all of this deal that God gave to her husband? What a woman she must have been. For 120 years, this guy's building an ark. And here's Mrs. Noah taking care of the family. You talk about cooperation. God never spoke to her. Spoke to Noah dealing day by day with corruption all around, delinquency all around. Noah, build an ark. Then he gave an invitation to bring all his family and enter into it. After all of those years, that's what God's doing today with delinquency all around, sin all around. He's saying, build an ark. Where's your ark? It's your home. That's your ark. That's your place of safety. When that garage door goes down, hallelujah. I'm the king there. I can determine what happens there, and Jesus is there, and I can cut out of it all of the folly and all of the sin, and I can relax and build myself up in God, and we can develop a fellowship and a relationship in that home. That's my ark of safety. And God says, come on in. I want you to have one full of happiness and full of joy, not division. Dear old Mrs. Noah, she didn't stand back and complain about what her husband was doing. She cooperated in the divine scheme, and that's necessary to make heaven in your home. Some wives are like fishermen. They brag about the one they, that got away and grumble about the one they caught. It goes on and on and on and on. It's tragic. God wants a team effort. Stop pulling in opposite directions and work together. That's what God wants. That's the two or three agreeing together and 
joining together that brings power and release and happiness. Now let me give you some points, practical points on how to get this two or three concept really working in your home. The first thing is to receive Christ as your Savior. I've got to say that. Receive Christ into your heart. If you haven't done it, do it today. You're long overdue if you haven't done it. Start today. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. I can't depend on myself. I need Christ in my life. You died for me. I believe in what you did. Come into my life. He said, I will receive all who come unto God by me. And he'll receive you today. That's the place to begin. Receive Christ into your heart. Second thing to do is hear and heed his word. Get into the book. Get into the Bible. The word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. Are you reading the Bible? Are you heeding the Word? Are you into study? Are you into a class? Are you getting here Sunday nights, Wednesday nights, into the Word, Sunday school classes? Are you into the Word? People always say, oh, I just don't have time. I wish I could read the Bible through, but, and they live a lifetime always thinking about if, 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 if. Do you know that if you want to read the Bible through, three times a year. You can do it three times a year with 10 chapters a day. That's all. 10 chapters a day, and you can read through Psalms and Proverbs by reading three Psalms and one Proverb every day. You can read through those every day or one time every month and three times through the Bible in a year by 10 chapters. Nobody here has an excuse. It's that we watch television too much. We read other things too much. Or we're doing this or we're doing that. Here's point number two. If you want to have heaven in your home and enjoy the two or three gathering together relationship, get into the Word. Live and abide by the Word. Live by the standard. It's right there. Third thing is to attend church regularly. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. In the church service, we let the winds of God blow through our souls. We receive in church what we do not receive in any other place. No teacher can make scholars out of truants, and no preacher can make saints out of absentee members. It's that simple. Even if you're too deaf to hear the preacher, the church is still a good place for listening to God. God can get through the deafness. If you're where he can speak to you. Keep your Sundays for the great things of the soul, someone said. Do you do that? Are you looking at your watch right now, wondering when I will finish because you've got other things scheduled today? Stop shopping on Sundays. I never have and I never will. I'll get along without. It's ridiculous. Six days in the week to take care of those things. And other things. I refuse to golf on Sunday. I refuse to run here and there to satisfy my flesh on Sunday. Sunday is a day when I want to be in God's presence and with God's people and hear a word from heaven. If I don't take that time, I'm not going to make it, and my home is not going to be a happy place. So we set up long ago a standard. We're going to be there when the doors are open. Now the boys challenged that once. 
just once. And it didn't work, and so that was it. That was the end of it. Parents, for heaven's sake, you should never ask, should I force my children to go to church? As long as they're under your roof, they do what you tell them to do. You're the parent, aren't you? You are the one that sets the standard. And I'll tell you, we need some family gatherings where we sit down and say, this is the standard of this home. We're not going to have rock music in this house. We're not going to have pornographic literature in this house. There are certain television programs this house will not witness. There are certain things this family will not do, and there are certain things this family will do. That's it. Meeting over. Adjourned. That's it. The church of God, the book of God, and the day of God are a sacred trinity on earth, and they ought to be kept. And when they're kept, you have health. And the two or three concept becomes powerful. It becomes anointed by God. And there's happiness. There's blessing. When I, uh, before I leave this attend church regularly thing, I, I couldn't help but think as I was reading the papers recently about the uh, Sacramento Kings coming to town and 8,000 season tickets went just like that. And I thought, oh God, that's all I need now in Sacramento. The struggle we go through to get people to be faithful and regular, now we're going to have a basketball team here in town. And I know people well enough to know if they've got a season ticket, that that season ticket's going to be much more important than this ticket, which says, do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. They're going to be running down there to that warehouse to watch a basketball game, and they're going to forget their relationship with God. Now, I've lived long enough to know that. And I'm a great sports enthusiast. I can probably quote statistics better than most of you can. But I'm not going to live in that, and I'm not going to let that run my life. And we've got to decide right now, folk, as these things begin to move in, and we've got more and more pleasure and more and more opportunity, who is going to be our God? What's going to govern our lives? If you're going to have a happy home, you've got to live in that principle of Matthew 18, Two or three gathered in my name, and I'll be there if you're in my name. But you may not be able to keep up with the world and abide by that scripture. Glad I said that. That felt good. I didn't plan that. It just felt good. I'm glad I said it. Hallelujah. That leads me to number four, live a separated life. Friends, we're too close to the world. Too much of the world in our home. Too much of the world in our lives. Wherefore, come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Come out from among them, and be ye separate. And we're trying to figure out how close we can get and still please God. God isn't happy with that. You open the book of Leviticus and you'll read the word holy 80 times in the book of Leviticus. Be holy, for I am holy. And without holiness, no man shall see God. And if you want the straw that can break the camel's back, here it is in 1 Thessalonians 5.22, abstain from all appearance of evil. Oh, man. That is a heavy, isn't it? If you want a standard to go by, there it is. Abstain from all appearance of evil. 
anything that would appear to be evil, get away from. So, separate yourself unto God. Separate your family unto God. And there'll be happiness in the home, and the two or three concept of Matthew 18 will be fulfilled. Fifth thing would be train your children to respect you. Do I need to remind you of Exodus 20, 12, Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long on the earth. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. It's interesting that it says of Jesus, he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. Jesus went to church regularly. Jesus obeyed his parents. He lived under their rule for 30 years without any problem. As the Son of God, he submitted himself to his earthly parents, Joseph and Mary, and pleased God with his life. Parents, train your children to respect you. Don't let them get by with the sloppiness that is around in our society today between children and parents. We need to get back to that respect principle. And then sixth, talk good about the church, the pastors, to give generously for the cause of Christ. Lead the way for your family to follow. There's so much negative conversation around in families about the church and about offerings and about all the rest instead of what a joy it is to give and build this great work for God that reaches out to the world. We say, oh man, he took another offering today. Gets into my pocket every time. What are those kids going to think when they listen to that over and over and over again? You need to talk good. This is the only thing you'll ever see again. Anything else you spent money on, it's gone. You'll never have it in eternity, but this is an investment that lasts forever. Your time, your money given to God live, lives on. So I'm helping you. You ought to thank me for that, not criticize me for that. And then pray with your family. Sir, have you, have you prayed with your family lately? Have your kids heard you really pray? Have they ever seen you on your knees agonizing before God? Oh, but that isn't too macho. That's the most macho thing you could do. Get on your face before God and cry out to God for his help. Ladies, have your children heard you pray? Call upon God. Have you as a family learned how to pray together and invoke God's blessing upon your life, your union? There's nothing like a family. I thank God for my family. If I would lose my family, how could I preach? How could I declare his word if my family wasn't in order? I could not stand here and declare to you the riches of Christ Jesus and the principles of this book if I would let my family run helter-skelter and do their own thing. It wouldn't be right. I could not do it. Paul said, if I preach to others and I myself become a castaway, what good have I done? If I preach to others but don't have my own family in order, what good is it? Ladies and gentlemen, it's time the church of Jesus Christ raised up and said, we will get back to family principles. We will not let this world set the mold for us. We will do what God wants. And like Joshua, we will say, you come over if you're on God's side. God wants that kind of response. And it's time 
that he got it. What are some of the things we're facing? Marriage has existed for the benefit of men and has been a legally sanctioned method of control over women. The end of the institution of marriage is a necessary condition for the liberation of women. Therefore, it is important for us to encourage women to leave their husbands and not to live individually with men. We must work to destroy it. That is from the document called the Declaration of Feminism. Gloria Steinem, is that how they, she says her name? Steinem? For the sake of those who wish to live in equal partnership, we have to abolish and reform the institution of legal marriage. Dr. Mary Jo Bain, Associate Director of Wellesley College, Center for Research on Women, said, we really don't know how to raise children. The fact that children are raised in families means there's no equality. In order to raise children with equality, we must take them from families and raise them. Pretty smart for a doctor to come up with that, eh? teacher in a college in America. Parents shouldn't raise their children. We'll raise them as a state. This one blows my mind. This same doctor said, divorce makes for better family life. Divorce improves the quality of marriage. When you get the explanation on that, let me know, will you? I, I just can't quite figure that one out. Gloria, dear Gloria, says again, by the year 2000, we will, I hope, raise our children to believe in human potential, not God. Betty Frieden, founder of National Organization for Women, no deity will save us, we must save ourselves. Promises of immortal salvation or fear of eternal damnation are both illusory and harmful. I could go on. Let me just share this last one. All of history must be rewritten in terms of the oppression of women. We must go back to ancient female religions like witchcraft. That's the stuff being read in America every day of the week. You wonder why I would stand here with fire in my eyes and talk about the family? Raise the book in my hand and say, you've got to come back to this book. It won't work in any other way. We're being destroyed from without, by believing this garbage that is belts from the pit of hell and makes the demons of hell dance with glee as they see us grab it and assimilate it and live it out in everyday life. Women, the greatest blessing God ever gave you is to be a wife and a mother. There's nothing higher. There's nothing greater. Blessed art thou among women. I don't care what you think, the men of America are crying out, be just that, will you? Be a loving companion, be a loving wife, be a loving mother. Let us smell the cook of, cooking of food when we come home. Let us see a house that is kept. Let us see a house that is in order. And let us together build something that lasts, not something that falls apart. That's the calling of God, and he gives us all the necessary tools to bring it about. Court your husband again. Court your wife again. Put on some of that feminine-smelling foo-foo that turns us on. 
be as smart as Esther when she went into the king. She dressed her hair. She put on the finest perfumes that Ahasuerus loved. And she walked in not being invited. And he lifted his scepter in the air saying, Esther, you're welcome here, babe. We don't need to fall apart. Now, I know some of you are here today going through divorces. My heart cries out to God for you. I know some of you have already suffered the agony of divorce, and you're, you're wondering what this message has to say to you. Well, one thing I want you to know, God loves you, and we love you very much. We're not here to kick anybody in the pit of the stomach that's gone through some difficulty or is going through some difficulty right now. We're here to help you in Jesus' name. Believe that. I don't know where you are in life. Can you imagine my perplexity in planning a message like this and trying to say everything that's needed to the conglomerate that is here in this service today? Impossible to say the right thing for everybody, but I believe the Holy Spirit is taking the word and applying it where it needs to be applied. All of us are a part of a family somehow, even if it's now a divided family. God can work through us to perhaps make it a united family once again. We'll get on our knees and humble ourselves and pray instead of desiring our own selfish ways. Perhaps God could do something once again for us. I know God has a plan, and he can work for your good. Now, we read from the Sermon on the Mount. In fact, it's the last part of the Sermon on the Mount. It's the last thing Jesus said before he finished on the hillside that day. Isn't it interesting what he said? Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Are you a wise man? Are you building on the rock? I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock the rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on the house. That's the things that we're hearing. Those are the things I read. The problems that we're having today, that's the rain, that's the flooding, that's the wind beating on our house. What a tremendous correlation to the family. Everything beating on our house, everything pounding away. What makes that house stand? How you build? You build on a rock, it'll make it. Who is the rock? Jesus is the rock. If you build on anything less than Jesus, it will fall. But if you build on the rock, it will stand the fiercest battle and attack that the enemy can level at the home. It will stand. Jesus said that. Now he said, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man. Are you foolish? Build his house on sand. The rain descended, floods came, winds blew, same ingredients, same things. And he said, when it beat on that house, it fell, and great was the fall of it. I can save you the cost of a college education to tell you what will win and what will work. Build on the rock. Stop building on sand. You can go through every course on the family, every psychological course, everything that you could dream up to find on the subject, and you could miss it. Jesus ended his entire chapters on this great discourse, three chapters of discourse, 
by these words. It fell, and great was the fall of it. Sermon was ended. That was it. Foolish men who will not determine to have a heart after God who seemingly do not understand there were two or three are gathered in his name. He's there in the midst of them, and they don't need to let the devil move in and destroy what Jesus Christ has made available to them. There's an old Arab story that goes something like this. The Arab had a home, and he had a window in his home, and one day the camel stuck his head through the window, and the Arab said, Camel, this is my home. That's all he did. The next day, the camel had his hoof through the window with his head, and the Arab said, Camel, this is my home. The next day, the camel had his head and both front legs through the window, and the Arab said, This is my home. Well, you know, by the time the week was over, what happened? That whole camel was inside the house, and the camel was now saying, This is my home. exactly what the devil's doing. He gets in with his head and then one foot and another, and pretty soon he's got his whole frame in there, and he's saying, this is my home. But Jesus Christ gives you an alternative. He says, where two or three are gathered in my name, I'm there in their midst. And I'll tell you, the devil doesn't want to be where Jesus is. Are you a wise man? Build on the rock. If you're foolish, you'll build on the sand. Jesus wants you together. He wants your children prospering. He wants your family to be blessed rise up in this society and say we have something to offer. But you have to make a choice. All these enemies are driving us apart. But Jesus said, if you gather in my name, I'll be there. You know what I want you to do? I want you to go home today. I want you to go in every room of your house. In the kitchen, I want you to say, Jesus is here. I want you to go in the living room and say, Jesus is here. Go into the bedrooms, every one of them, and say, Jesus is here. Into the bathrooms, Jesus is here. Into the garage, Jesus is here. Go on out in the patio, too. Jesus is here. Just pronounce his presence everywhere. Pronounce his presence everywhere. He's here, two or three. We're gathered in his name. We're God's people. We're not children of the world or children of the dark or children of the devil, we're children of the king. Jesus is here. He said that, and I pronounce the presence of Jesus in this place. And see what happens. Just see what happens. See your spirit change. See the attitudes change. See your children begin to become submissive. When Jesus is there and you cooperate with Jesus and you follow the book, see what will happen when you pronounce the presence of Jesus all over your place. Hallelujah. You can have heaven in your home, God's desire. He made the family. He only left two institutions on earth. One of them you're sitting in today, this church, and the other is the place you're going to go after church, home. Those two institutions are the only ones God ever established on earth, the family and the church. And Jesus is in both. Hallelujah. I am in the midst. I'm there. I don't know about you, but I need that. I need that. Let's pray together, shall we? Oh God, our Father, we thank you for this time together. Thank you for the privilege of declaring truth. 